0: Welcome to episode 6 of Piercing the Veils with the Pierce Boys. Um, There's me, Robin Pierce. And me, Stephen Pierce. Presenting your usual evening of jollity, geekery and... Basic insanity. You could say musings. We could say musings, um, but we're not because we're not going to be that pretentious. No. So, Steve, how's your week been?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad? Okay. Do tell. Well, there's been some geeky things going on, but I don't know. (laughs) What do
0: you mean you don't know? Have there been geeky things going on or have there not been geeky things going on? Well, such as what? Name them, lad. You've well, got some new Aquaman underoos? No,
1: I've started Cataclysm.
0: Oh, yes. I um, Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It's about goddamn time is what yeah. I can say. To explain to our listener, um, Cataclysm is a Batman graphic novel going back a few years, because I finished that off in... Two thousand and
1: one. Yeah, the first issue, according to that collected volume, came out in ninety eight.
0: Yeah, but you started reading the follow up, No Man's Land. Yeah, I didn't stand without reading Cataclysm.
1: I thought. What is wrong with you? Well, I thought that, you know, if you knew the earthquake happened, then that'd be it. Turns out, no.
0: No, no, makes no sense at all. Um, to further explain to our listener, um, Cataclysm. Imagine. Batman crossed with Escape from New York. Yes. A devastating earthquake levels Gotham City and it's cut off from the rest of the world and basically written off. Yeah. Now, the city is in ruins. Um, there are people still in the city. All the bridges to... Because it's based on New yeah. York. So imagine Manhattan, which further brings in the Escape from New York link. Um... And the various super criminals there, like the, the Penguin and Two-Face yes. and Joker, etc. They all have, they split the city up between them to their own personal little fiefdoms.
1: I kind of found, from what I read of No Man's Land, yeah. with characters like the Penguin, I always saw him as kind of a more minor villain. But that's what actually made him a major player.
0: Yeah, because he started his life off as a fat guy in top hat and tails, and then we had Burgess Meredith. Yeah. But he was never a real threat. He was more comical than anything else. Then in the eighties, they tried to make him more tragic and gave him a, a bit of a depressing yeah. origin story. But he was still,
1: you know, he had trick umbrellas, and basically that was his whole shtick but he seems to rule no man's land completely as of all the villains he seems to be the one that's ruling everything
0: well when i saw it um when when i read it actually um it seemed to me that the nightclub he he ran yeah the iceberg the iceberg lounge it had a touch of the old casablanca film about it yeah where you know good and bad went there all sorts of Deals went down. He was controlling everything. It was. It was like um, I want to say no man's land, but no. It was. It was um, somewhere where all people were equal, apart from, of course, the penguin, who is. You know, everybody. If you went in there, yeah, you had to have a truce.
1: Because one of the things I liked, I read with the penguin in particular was. Yeah. Now, I think it was a kid who had been, you know, pillaging and stealing different items. Yeah. And he, you know, gives them to the penguin because he wants some food. Yeah. And the penguin gives him an apple. Yeah. He takes a bite out of it first and says the penguin always gets his cut. Yeah, I like that.
0: Um, You've got quite a way to go because you've got about five volumes of Yes. No Man's Land, following this, and this is about a 300-pager. Yeah. Um, this past week, and being that we're talking about what we've been reading, um, I, I've read a, a Batman volume that I bought in Cardiff a couple of weeks ago called The Man Who Laughs. Okay. And there's a retelling, a modern-day retelling of the first Joker story. Now, I like that first Joker story from uh, summer 1940 issue of Batman number one, because we don't know anything about the Joker. And it's the time, you know, before TV. So people would be huddled up in front of their radios in the evening and an evil voice would break through and say, you know, tonight I will kill. And he'd nominate somebody that he was going to kill. And the police would go yeah. there and put a cordon around the house. And, of course, the guy would drop dead with his face twisted into the fiendish death grin of the Joker. And what he was doing was he was actually poisoning them the day before.
1: All right. With well.
0: A poison that would take 24 hours to uh, take take effect. I I found the original story from 1940. Yeah. To be a better telling of the story okay. than this new one, where he cuts across a satellite signal to a cable TV channel, oh, okay. and yeah. I thought, no, it's it's not quite the same thing. It's it's not a it's not as good.
1: Yeah, because I, I'm guessing if that was your first iteration of the Joker, that's the f- well, it
0: wasn't the first iteration of the Joker uh, for me because I'd been reading. The Joker strips, you know, since I was a small child. But this was in a a volume I got when I was about 11 called Batman from the 30s to the 70s and reprinted some of his best adventures and this was in, in, in that. And, of course, the Joker dies at the end because they had no idea how popular he would be. But he turned up and, of course, the very next issue. Okay, there and many more subsequent to that. Top three
1: graphic novels go.
0: Oh, top three graphic novels go. Okay, um, number one, The Dark Knight Returns. Number two, The Killing Joke. Number three. Oh my God. Uh, number three. I don't like it because I'm gonna have. I, I have to think about it. Uh, number three. Oh, you swine. Payback for last week. (laughs) Number three. It's not really a graphic novel, but I've got it as a graphic novel. It's um, Superman. Whatever happened to the man of tomorrow? It's the last of the... I'll explain them in reverse. This is the... Before... In the time before, okay. all these um, you know, reboots and crises on infinite earths and more crises and even more crises and company-wide yeah. crossovers. The British writer Alan Grant had a go at finishing off Silver Age Superman and all his trappings, in what they would call an imaginary story, which happened from time to time in in DC in the 60s. Okay. And Superman is under siege in the Fortress of Solitude. Not the Christopher Reeve yeah. Fortress of Solitude, but the old-style Fortress of Solitude that had the Hall of Trophies and all the rest of it, and had a huge, great big door that you could only get in with a huge, great big key yeah. um, that was cleverly disguised as an arrow pointing the way to aircraft. Okay. I always wondered, if he used that key and there was an aircraft going, would, would it just crash into the Possibly. mountain or something? Anyway. Um, and all of Superman's greatest villains were, were there against him and Supergirl, Batman and Robin were there to to help him out and it kind of dealt with the whole Silver Age yeah. um, mythology really good re- really well and a part that was really good and really really depressing for me was there's a villain called the Kryptonite Man okay. whose whole body is like um, just irradiated with, with Kryptonite and crypto, the superdog, yeah, bites him oh. and dies a horrible howling death of kryptonite poisoning, and Superman can't do a damn thing about it, and I remember reading that, and I thought they they killed crypto. I never really cared for crypto as as a comic book character until they killed yeah. him. In 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 that kind of cruel way. So that's my that's my number three. Okay. okay. My number two, the Killing Joke, um, British artist Brian Bolland, and it's the now definitive uh, origin of the Joker as the Red Hood, and he's kidnapped Commissioner Gordon after shooting Barbara Gordon through the spine at close range, paralyzing her, because he's he's on this mission that he's given himself to prove that the difference between sanity and madness is just one bad day. And he's doing his damnedest to give Commissioner Gordon that one bad day. Of course, what he doesn't know is that in shooting Barbara Gordon through the spine, he has just ended Batgirl's career. Yeah. And he's in this lethal, uh, broken-down uh, fairground, uh, which he's just loaded with traps, and, of course, Batman has to go in after him. Um, and and it's, it's a slim, I think at about 64-page volume, uh, a one off, but it's it's absolutely amazing, so well drawn. Brian Bolland along with Carlos Saskera were always my favourite Judge okay. Dread artists. The first, this should come as no surprise, the no, Dark Knight really... Returns, because and here's a little known story for our listener.
1: Yeah.
0: Big comic book fan as I am now, when I was sixteen I bowed to, I guess, parental pressure and decided it's time for me to, you know, put comic books away and start growing up, as I was told to, and I gave up comic books. Okay. Um, I'd still look at them very, very occasionally. Yeah. Um, But my collection was pretty much done. I kept what I had, just for old time's sakes. But um, that's pretty much done with it. Now, um, I would buy a Sunday paper at that point. Um, So this would be 1985, I guess. Late 85, coming into early 86. And there was a Sunday supplement. And on the Sunday supplement was a picture of a... Far bulkier Batman. With what appeared to be a female Robin. And I thought, what's this?
1: Because it must have seemed completely different to anything. Especially
0: in in that Sunday supplement, because back then, um, we would get every Sunday um, an array of Sunday papers, and I would buy the mail on Sunday. Because... These were the days when there was still some semblance of news around. Okay? All right. That's... And besides, I liked the U magazine, and so did my parents, because I lived at home back then. And I read this article about a limited edition series put out by DC Comics featuring Batman in a few years' time. You know, he's older, he's bulkier, nobody has seen him in Gotham for 10 years. And something happens to bring him out of retirement for one last case. The Batmobile has been upgraded from a super sleek sports car to a tank. Because, as he mentions, he had to deal with some rioting a few years before. And I thought, I'm going to have to read this. One more sort of go around with the hero of my youth. I am going to have to read this. So I got hold of a copy, and I read it, and I was blown away, to the extent that I read it again, and again, and I believe it was four times in a row that I read this, because I just couldn't get over the storytelling, um, the, the action the background stories, everything that happened, it was just completely blew me away. And I knew as soon as I started it, because it hooked me in from the opening panels, that my time of reading comics was back. Okay. I hadn't read them for about 10 years, and it might sound flippant, but it's not really meant to be flippant. It was it was like giving meth to a junkie. Just like that, I was back again. That makes sense. And I realised that my life was far happier reading comics than it had been in the ten years that I hadn't read comics. And I never looked back since then. That's right, your top three, go! Killing Joke, Hush, Watchmen. Oh, Watchmen! Oh, I forgot about Watchmen. Okay, in reverse order. Tell us why.
1: I loved with Watchmen. It was purely you showed. It was around the time the movie came out. Oh yeah. The Zack Snyder one. Yeah. And I loved the idea that you had these heroes, but they were actually just normal people. They
0: were flawed as well. Yeah.
1: And, although, with the exception of Dr. Manhattan...
0: Yeah. The big blue yeah, guy who walks around naked, strutting yeah. his stuff.
1: Watchmen always seemed kind of plausible.
0: Do you realise that when when we read Watchmen... Yeah. I mean, I'd read it before you. I do believe it was the first time we'd seen a man's junk in a comic strip. Yeah, yeah. Blue junk. Yeah. Very uncomfortable reading.
1: And I I just loved the story. I loved the artwork, the storytelling. It just worked. And I loved the fact they had a story within the story in Tales of the Black Freighter. Yeah. Second,
0: hush. Yes. That's I'd, a Batman graphic yes. novel.
1: I'd say that Jim Lee Is my favourite Batman artist. Of all time? Yeah. Ever? Yeah.
0: Ooh. Controversial. No, it isn't. Well, it is. No. It is? No. Sir, you have been raised to read Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, Neil Adams. Well, sir, you are wrong, aren't you? (laughs) John Buscema, Gil Kane... Bob Kane.
1: Who are these people?
0: John Romita.
1: Who is he? Did you ride a bus?
0: <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> just, just to clarify here, he does know exactly yeah. who these people are. He is trying to wind me up. Like he thinks that I will not reach over the desk, grab him by the scruff of the neck, and put the microphone in his
1: eye. But going back to Hush... included pretty much all of Batman's rogues gallery.
0: Yeah, yeah. And introduced quite a controversial new villain.
1: Yeah. In Hush. And I can't wait for the animated movie to come out of Hush. Uh, This is DC's next animated movie. See, they did um, Death of Superman, the animated movie, where obviously Superman dies. Yeah.
0: Also one of their first animated
1: movies. Yeah. Then they redid it better. And although I loved the movie... Yeah. They changed parts. Well, they'd have to. I don't want It's a the... very long series of books. But I don't want them to change anything of Hush
0: at all. Hopefully they won't have to because The Death of Superman um, was... The Death of Superman, World Without a Superman, um, Reign of the Supermen... And wasn't it The Return of Superman or something? I'm looking Uh, up. The Return of Superman, there it is.
1: Yes. Okay. Okay. And the first, The Killing Joke. Yeah. Joker, by far, is my favourite supervillain of all time. Yes. And that was one of the very first graphic novels after... Devil's Advocate, another joker story, which you let me to read. Yeah. And that was the one that really got me hooked onto graphic novels, comics, all of it.
0: Ah, okay. So, alright, let's do this. Okay. Okay. Top three DC superheroes. Go in reverse order. Reverse order.
1: Yeah. Oh. Why would I make it God. easy for you? Superman, Aquaman, Batman. Aquaman. Yeah. Old fish sticks. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Why? Why? Why those three? What? What? What's led you to these three?
1: As much as I love Superman in the comics, yes. Sometimes because he's like, well, referred to as you know the Boy Scout by Batman. Sometimes reading Superman can get kind of tiresome. Yeah,
0: tedious because nothing much can get to him.
1: And the ones that I've loved of Superman are, oh, Superman for all seasons. Yeah. Superman for Tomorrow. Yeah. And, oh, there's another one. All-Star Superman? Yes. Those seem to capture him better.
0: Okay. A lot of those also kind of bring back a Silver Age sensibility. Yeah. Silver Age being from the mid-50s to the mid-70s. Mid to late 70s, I suppose.
1: Aquaman. I'm not quite
0: sure when the Bronze Age started, but
1: anyway. Aquaman, he's... He's he's Aquaman. He's something else, isn't he? He's he's a lot to himself. See, I,
0: I... I never read much Aquaman because I always thought he's dumb, he's boring, he's... DC have Aquaman... Marvel
1: had the Submariner, and I never cared for either one See, of them. See, that that's the thing, though. Aquaman's early stories, yeah, are so bad. They're genius, but
0: early stories. Do you mean the
1: wartime ones, or do you
0: mean the Silver Age? Silver Age.
1: Oh, right. Okay. <clears throat> but then, when they did the newer versions, yeah, some of them are all out horror stories.
0: True. True.
1: And then you have Batman because you know, Batman the animated series, his plethora of graphic novels. Oh,
0: good use of the See? word plethora. Yeah, big word today. Oh, is that Stephen's word <laughs> yes. of the show? <coughs> yeah, plethora. Plethora. And what does it mean, Stephen? You know, plethoras. <laughs> what you're hearing, dear listener, is the actual sound of Stephen's brain going bye-bye.
1: You know, all his contents. To Sora. Do you mean as an assortment, by Yes. There we go. Okay.
0: Yours. My what? Top three. Reverse order. Okay. Flash, Superman, Batman. Flash? Yeah. Eh.
1: What do you mean, eh? Eh.
0: <laughs> um, I'm talking more Silver Age Flash okay. than the recent Flash. Uh I used to like him. It's it's odd to get a a a superhero who can run fast and have the the array of supervillains he had like the weather wizard, the mirror master, Captain Boomerang, and let us not forget Grod. Ah oh, Grod. You know, DC gave us a talking super intelligent telekinetic gorilla. And I I just like them. There's In the Silver Age stories, there's a delightful naivety that I like. And one of the first Flash stories I remember reading was one where his head, his actual skull, the top of his skull, his face was normal size, but his head was vastly expanded. And everybody was looking at him, and of course he couldn't change back into Barry Allen because people would know that he was the Flash, and he needed to find out what was happening to his brain. Why was his head so big? Another one that I remember reading was—I remember the cover more than anything. Um, they changed the logo, and Flash was just like F L A S H. The letters yeah. standing, you know, like like the big Hollywood sign okay. kind of thing. Um, with the villains, some on top, some looking around the corners of these letters, down at the fallen, possibly dead Flash, and it was like one of one of those covers. Sheldon has it as a t-shirt yeah. on um, the Big Bang Theory, and I would love that as a t-shirt, but I've never been able to find it online anywhere. It was it was in my collection, but I don't really remember okay um, what the story was. But I never forgot that cover. Um Superman. I love again the Silver Age stories because that's when they had the mythology of Brainiac shrinking candor and putting it in a bottle. You had all the various forms of Kryptonite. You had, you know, Crypto the Superdog. There was Supergirl. Um there were Tales of Superman when he was a boy. Um he would go out into space. Sometimes he would shrink himself down and have a few adventures without any superpowers in the Bottle City of Kandor, the only city left of Krypton. Um, the Phantom Zone, yeah. of course, the Phantom Zone generator, where it wasn't a little rectangle that um, sent you off somewhere else, as as we saw in the films, but it was it's something that made you sort of like ghostly and. Ethereal. It made you basically into a ghost. Yeah. And you could see and hear your loved ones, but they would never know that you were there. And if you were a a criminal on Krypton, you know, you could have something like five years in the Phantom Zone and you'd see, you know, people that you had known, but they'd never know that you were in the room. And it was just. Yeah. Actually, quite a bad psychological, um, cruel even, punishment. Uh, Batman, number one. Ever since Adam West and Burt Ward took our screens by storm with their array of supervillains. I'm guessing we'll do something similar to this next week after we have seen Spider-Man Far From Home.
1: Probably more Marvel-themed, though.
0: There'll be more Marvel-themed next week, I think. Yeah. 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 But um, that's... That took a strange turn, didn't it? Yeah. I I had no idea that we were going to start off with superheroes tonight. Um, My original plan was to start out with a shout-out. Okay. And tonight I'm giving a shout-out to a very special lady, uh, Sam Stone. She's starting a new career as a thriller writer. Now, we both know her as Sam Stone, the horror author. And it's thanks to Sam and her husband David J. Howe that I'm associated with the show, radio show, and podcast The Stone Tapes, named partly after the Nigel Neal TV horror of the early 70s and partly after Sam Stone. Um, Sam is also uh, nominated to attend the gala evening. Of the Global Woman Summit. So, you know, big strides being made by Sam. Uh, Congratulations. Congratulations. And I will be seeing you in uh, Siren Radio Studios in a few weeks when we record episode 50 of the Stone Tapes. Okay. 50 months of the Stone Tapes. Wow. You know, that show is getting to be the grand old lady of the, the airwaves, isn't it? Yeah. 50 episodes. 50 months we've been doing this. Ah. Anyway, congratulations, Sam. And uh, good luck in your new career as a writer of thrillers. Now then, let's talk about something that's not as thrilling Trailer Park. Annabelle comes home. Do you know oh, what?
1: Why? Oh. Why? I mean, it, it's it's Annabelle. Is that doll again? Oh. We, we've tro- oh. We've seen... We went to see the first Annabelle. It didn't work.
0: Oh, it gets even worse than that. It gets even worse than that. Now, if I remember the time Ryan... Time Ryan?
1: Time Ryan? <laughs>
0: oh. If I can remember the timeline properly, it's like stop Sol... It's like sol... Plethora. It's like solstice all over again, isn't it? Solstice. Solstice, solstice, solstice. Okay? Um... We went to see The Conjuring because it was getting a lot of publicity. Yes, and the I scariest thought, movie in ooh, decades. Yeah, sc- absolutely. We went to see it and we thought, what the hell?
1: What see, is this? See, with The Conjuring, yeah. the opening, say, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I was with it. Okay. The whole thing was before we get on to Annabelle. Do
0: you know what? We didn't go and see The Conjuring in the yes, cinema, we did. did we? Yeah. We did. That's right. It's, this is a film that I've been more than fair with because yeah. we went to see it in the cinema. We weren't impressed because it was cliche-ridden, jump-scare rubbish. Yeah. I then, because everybody kept going on, no, 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 it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You, oh, you should love this. It came out on DVD and I bought it to give it a second viewing. Yeah. Because I felt, no no, I have been unfair, I have been cruel. I still didn't like it. And for some I I really don't know why. I think it was when Annabelle came out.
1: Yeah, because hold on.
0: I brought it in the bargain bin.
1: Hold on. After having given away my no, original. Desk. no, 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 no. That no. wasn't it? Nope. What was it then? Right, you bought the. We saw the conjuring. Yes. We were with it for the first 20 minutes. That's five minutes more than you said
0: a couple of seconds ago.
1: Well, I'm. You know. Okay. Just to be kind of. Get the time roughly right. Right. Before we knew anything about the Annabelle doll. Yeah. We were with it. Right. In the hotel apartment thing with those. the teenage girls and the doll. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Then, though, when they got to the farmhouse, okay, still with it, and you had some kind of, you know, I guess creepy things going on, but they didn't show you what was going on. But yeah, the, I was
0: getting bored at this point.
1: But the second... I'm guessing it was supposed to be a demon, but it looked like a little old lady.
0: The little old lady on top of the wardrobe? Yeah.
1: The where s- I just laughed out loud. The second that was there... Yeah. All oh, that was going through my head was oh. <laughs> well, was the song "Can't Touch This," <laughs> <laughs> and it just ruined the entire movie. And then yeah, uh oh, Granny's on top of the wardrobe again. And then we thought, grown down, because we liked the Annabelle aspect. Yeah, we you because re- we've bought, been suckers for yeah. for
0: you know evil dolls, haven't we? But
1: Beca- you re you bought the conjuring to give it a second go because we we're going to see Annabelle hoping that it was going to be more of the first 20 minutes of the conjuring
0: like it would actually validate yeah. the conjuring
1: yeah it didn't no it
0: just sucked um i don't like these these films um the whole conjuring universe has left me absolutely cold and yeah. i won't waste another second of my life uh trying to get into it because we watched The Curse of La Yonora um, a few weeks ago, and yeah. I think we've covered that on one of our earlier shows. No. No? No. Well, basically, don't bother with it. You won't get scared. It's the equivalent of somebody going, <laughs> Yeah, see, Bo? <laughs> yeah, okay, that's all right. Settle down. Settle down. Bo wants to say hi to everybody. And it's just it's just rubbish. It's derivative rubbish. Um, it's about the um the tortured spirit of a woman who killed her children by drowning and you know that as soon as the modern day family have a swimming pool and that's established, you know, uh this is gonna play into you, it and it you does. can
1: telegraph the entire thing of that entire movie and on Tuesday we try no, sorry. Yes, on Monday. Yes, w- Monday, no, Monday night,
0: we, we hadn't seen The Nun, which is
1: another one of this Lamentable series, and we tried to watch that. See, when I saw the poster for The Nun, yeah, I was curious before I saw the word conjuring. The second I saw the word conjuring, it was just, no. Well, I'll be honest with you.
0: Nuns disturb me anyway.
1: Yeah, I thought that's how it's going to be kind of a disturbing horror movie. Yeah. But the opening couple minutes are just laughable.
0: She's just floating there and her face in a twisted leer and she makes another nun hang herself. But three things that kind of creep me out, three, three kinds of people, okay... The vertically challenged. Yes. Not that they've done anything to me, it's just like a natural aversion, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Clowns.
1: I don't like clowns. I hate clowns.
0: And nuns.
1: Actually, no, there are only two clowns I do like, and that's the Joker and Pennywise.
0: The Joker and Pennywise. First of all, the Joker's not really a clown, but he may well be in that Joaquin Phoenix film. Um, I I don't think you're supposed to actually like Pennywise, but you've made a very, very important omission there. Okay. Seriously, no love for the killer clowns from outer space.
1: Ah, they're aliens.
0: But they look like clowns.
1: Yeah, but they're aliens.
0: Their balloon animals will will come to life and track you down.
1: But they're aliens.
0: They will trap you in candy floss.
1: Oh. But they're aliens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, so Annabelle is coming back for yet another go-around. Yeah. And this will be the third film. And they are based... On the supernatural investigative, investigative exploits of this married couple, yeah, who apparently are like real-life Ghostbusters or something.
1: But apparently,
0: have you looked into the background of those two?
1: Yeah, they—they've
0: been discredited. Anyway, they turn up after yeah, the event
1: because um, oh, there's one in London. It's supposed to be a famous haunted house or something. Yeah. Is it Elfield or... I don't know. Apparently, um, I think it was before I was born. It was in papers about... So any
0: time before 1991.
1: Yeah. That gives
0: us a big scope.
1: I think it was in the 70s. Okay. And it's basically what The Conjuring 2 was based on. Yeah. And you've got you know those two investigators there and it's supposed to be you know how they solved everything yeah they didn't turn up
0: until weeks no no they they just turn up afterwards and pretend to have had something to do with it you know that I they t-
1: claimed yeah to have solved amityville oh for goodness sake
0: yeah. really yeah um i i can't remember where i've seen it But you've got the Annabelle doll that we see in the films. And it's like a Victorian age doll with a a China face. And it looks evil. It's a Raggedy Ann doll. It's a Raggedy Ann doll in real life.
1: Yeah. You see it, you're thinking,
0: what? My God, I remember one of those in Tiff's room when she was a baby. Yeah. thought, well,
1: really? But wouldn't it have been actually better if it was a Raggedy Ann doll, instead of going the whole scary doll route, Yeah. if you just had just a basic
0: doll. But it would have probably destroyed the Raggedy Ann doll industry. Well, you'd have had to have permission to use yeah. what is probably a copyrighted uh, likeness anyway. And would people who work whichever company makes those dolls, uh, have allowed you to use it in a horror movie, knowing that it would kill off possibly one of their biggest selling products of the last 30 years or so.
1: Hasbro let them use Ouija
0: boards. Okay,
1: Ouija boards.
0: This is something I... would Well, Ouija boards go back way before Hasbro. And Hasbro have... Marketed. <laughs> have marketed Ouija boards as a harmless child's game.
1: Because you know the horror movie Ouija? Yeah. I've got it upstairs. Yeah. And I'm sure that one of the producers of the movie is actually Hasbro.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But... If you see a Ouija board by Hasbro on on sale in a, in a toy store somewhere, yeah, it comes in a box that says it's recommended for ages eight and over. Okay. Okay. Now, what this tells us yeah. is <laughs> you you have to be eighteen. Yeah to view pornography... Yes. ...you have to be eight to raise the dead. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a world are we living exactly. in Exactly. And actually, now thinking about the whole pornography thing... Yeah. You've got to be 18 to look at pornography. Yeah. The legal age for you to have sex is 16. Yeah. So you can do it at 16. Then you've got to be... you. you you can do it for two years before you can look at what you've been doing. Yeah. It's a crazy world, man. Crazy, crazy world. Um. Anyway, Annabelle comes home, blah, 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 jump scare, blah, yeah. blah, blah, jump scare. The doll may look at one of the intended victims and blah, 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 but jump that, scare. that's, that's it, new.
1: though? When we saw Annabelle before?
0: Yeah. We thought we were going to see... A female Chucky.
1: Yeah. Well, we've seen it. Female Chucky and Tiffany.
0: Now, are you talking about your sister or the doll? And or the,
1: both? Aren't they kind of the same?
0: You know she listens to this, right? I know. Right? You know she listens to this. But I know
1: she's also a Tiffany fan. You know I can't help you. I know.
0: Okay. Keep on digging your own grave. I son. don't want to. <laughs> Um, I've got, just before we, we came on the air, I was going to say before we came on the microphone, but that would be messy. Oh. (laughs) Oh, sorry. We're better than this. We'll do better next week. Um, I've got four really creepy dolls okay in, in in order here okay okay would you agree with this list or have i missed somebody out in at number 4 yeah the living doll episode of twilight zone featured talky tina Terrorizing a not yet completely bald Telly Savalas. Okay. I'm Talky Tina, and I don't like you. Yeah. Remember that. In at number three. Those creepy ventriloquist dolls from Toy Story 4. Agreed. With that that walk. Yeah. I can't even describe that walk. It's kind of disjointed. It's it's disjointed. There's, there's there's something so wrong in it. And it actually, in retrospect, that um, clockwork monkey that they had in Toy Story 3 yeah. almost made me jump out of my seat in the cinema when I first saw it. But these ventriloquist dolls kind of stay with you a bit okay. longer. There's something so wrong about them. Yeah. Number two, I have chucky okay the one that blows them all away comes from a tv movie made in i think 71 called trilogy of terror three stories by richard matheson in one film and all three stories starred karen black and it's the last one, the one with the Zuni fetish doll that's stalking her through the apartment. Scared the hell out of me when I was 11. And it was shown at about yeah. 7.30 on a Friday night here. Scared the hell
1: out of me. You are missing three of the dolls. Okay, please go for it. The Tiffany doll. Well, that kind of comes in into Chucky. Glenn? Glenn? Yeah. Chucky's son.
0: Oh, yeah, but still, you know, Chucky.
1: No left for Slappy from Goosebumps?
0: I've only seen the two movies. But, yeah, he was kind of creepy in, in Goosebumps 2, yeah. He's a doll. Are they making Goose? Wasn't he a ventriloquist dummy? Yes. Yeah. He didn't quite put the fear of...
1: No but small
0: things into me that maybe this is why I avoid vertically challenged people.
1: But see, with going back to what you're saying with Annabelle and the look of the doll. Yeah. That's one of the things I've always loved with Chucky. That at the beginning he was just a normal doll. Right.
0: We're talking now about Child's Play, the original, directed by Tom Holland, not the one that we saw last no,
1: week. Because in from Bride onwards when he's you know, patched back together and kind of scarred. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy with that because it makes sense in the continuity of the movies. Plus the Chucky movies are just stellar anyway. Oh yeah, they are. They are. yeah. Um
0: I got a little bit of Hollywood news. Okay. You may have got it wrong last week. I'm hoping that you haven't. Yeah. But a leaked document that I've read about suggests that the title of the Bond movie that they're filming at the moment yeah. it might well be Time to Die. Now, my reaction to Time to Die is... Oh, really? Like they haven't tried to kill
1: the franchise off already. The the only thing that comes to mind with that and having another Daniel Craig Bond movie is maybe it's the best title of them all and it's time to kill the franchise. It's time for it all to die. Yeah, I liked Shatterhand because it
0: goes with a previously well-established um, Bond tradition of having, you know... A word yeah. and a body part. I mean, we've had gold finger, golden, golden eye. eye, thunder ball. <laughs> you uh, knew I had to go yeah. there. But we've also had skyfall, yeah. moon raker, shatter hand. I like it. Yeah. I mean, last time we talked about this, I thought, what does it mean? But then again, what does Moonraker mean? What does Thunderball mean? Moon. What does Goldeneye mean?
1: Moonraker. It's obvious what it means. Do you know what a
0: Moonraker was?
1: Uh, no, but I want to say a person who rakes on the moon. On Why would
0: anybody I, rake on the moon? There's I no grass on it. No. Uh, Moonraker used to be a smuggling term. Oh, okay. A term for smuggler. Um, Goldfinger, of course, was the character's name. Uh, Goldeneye. I've no idea what that means. But Goldeneye was the name of Hold Ian on. Fleming's home uh, in Jamaica somewhere.
1: Wasn't it the... Did no. the character... Didn't, wasn't it a Goldeneye satellite or something in the movie? Was it? Or did he have a Goldeneye?
0: Nobody had a Goldeneye. It might have been that satellite. Might well have been. Thunderball is the name of the nuclear device... Uh, Skyfall is the name of Bond's ancestral home. Yes. Shatterhand.
1: I don't know. Prosthetic hand that's broken.
0: <laughs> Maybe the toilet paper tour. No. Uh. Oh. We're into crude, childish humour.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> anyway, Um later.
0: Anyway, some more Hollywood news that okay. may be of interest. It's rumoured that the producers of the Batman trilogy that we've spoken about, directed by Michael Reeves, who we reported a few weeks ago were after Macaulay Culkin of Home Alone fame um, for the Joker, uh, may have found their Catwoman. Chloe Grace Moretz.
1: So far, to be honest, with the Batman movie, yes. I'm kind of surprised because even with Robert Patterson in the role as Batman, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why, but I've got nothing against this upcoming movie at all. I just want the movie already.
0: You and I had one of our usual discussions, and let's, let's just be, be completely honest here. Yeah. The, the podcasts, which we are delighted that on average about 70 of you are listening to every week. Um, All, all this is, is he and I having a discussion like we do any time we're walking around or in the same room. Except this time we've got a microphone in front of us. So none of this is rehearsed. I've got a hastily jotted down few points to hit. And other than that, it's me keeping my eye on a clock to make sure that we're not wasting too much of your valuable time. Chloe Grace Moretz, best known as Hit Girl from the Kick-Ass films. Ideal casting. Yes. We were walking down the lane a few weeks ago, and we were talking about ideal casting, and I actually said Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, you did. You did. Now, a stumbling block that she had in her career was Carrie. Yeah. A. They shouldn't ever have remade Carrie because it was perfect the first time round. And B. Casting Chloe Grace Moretz. The trouble here is Carrie, as described in a book by Stephen King, is an awkward, ugly duckling. Yeah. And Sissy Spacek played that perfectly because she played Carrie pre-going to the prom with her boyfriend as basically a dowdy, ungainly lump. Yeah. She did. And then she, she transformed herself butterfly-like for the prom and it made the tragedy of and the cruelty of having the pig's blood spilt on her, um even even worse. Yeah. Because she had transformed and these people, the cruel cheerleaders, they they wouldn't let her be yeah. good looking. They spoilt it for her. Whereas in the remake, I can't accept Chloe Grace Moretz as a dowdy, ungainly lump. No. She she just isn't. She had done too good a job being hit girl for us ever to accept her yeah, exactly as an ugly duckling loser. Yeah. So it just didn't work. But Catwoman That she could do. That she could do. She could definitely yeah. do that. Um, right, we've got time for a game on, Okay. and you have something to say.
1: Uh, this is going back about probably two years, maybe. Sean, Tiff's fiance, yeah, showed me a trailer for a game called Sinking City. Okay. It's not I, another I, Aquaman
0: game, is it? No, no.
1: Okay. I'm still waiting for an Aquaman game. Oh. One of these days. Anyway. Okay, I um, I found it looked a lot like Bioshock in the fact that... Bioshock's been, the one yeah. with
0: the diver yeah. and
1: the the
0: helmet and... Has it got a drill arm yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay.
1: And one minute you were walking on your city street as normal. Yeah. The next minute it seemed like a tsunami or something came in and you were walking in the water. Okay. And I I just found the entire thing quite interesting because it seemed fresh. Because we don't get that many fresh ideas anymore.
0: True, true. Originality is dying. And... Even saying that isn't original. Yeah.
1: Reading more about it, I found out that it's based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. So, is it Cthul- Writer
0: of the Cthulhu yeah. mythos. And... And actually... yeah. To go back to an earlier point, Sam Stone, who we mentioned, does have a book out based on the Cthulhu mythos Okay. of short stories, I believe.
1: Buy it now! There's... I don't know if there's an Ape Man or something in H.P. Lovecraft. I I have no idea. I've never read any H.P. Lovecraft.
0: I've read a little bit, but I've never come across an Ape Man.
1: But from the sounds of it, you're this detective and you're walking around a city that's. Modern day city or 1920s city? 20s. Oh, cool, okay. 1920s, um, you're a detective, just come back from a war. The war.
0: Yeah, that would be the First
1: World War. That's why I said
0: the war. (laughs) No, originally you said a war. (laughs) A war. You know, might be Vietnam, I don't know.
1: know. And it seems, when he goes underwater, it's, you know, the old style clunky. Diving gear. Yeah,
0: yeah. Big brass helmet. Yeah. With a, yeah, okay.
1: Unfortunately, the reviews that have come out about it Yeah, Uh trashing it.
0: Why? Sounds like a good idea.
1: Well, to start with, there are complaints of racism.
0: Okay, are they being oversensitive here? Because a lot of books of that era were... Okay for their time. Yeah. Seen these days, they are wildly inappropriate and politically incorrect because political correctness didn't even exist back then. Now, are they just being of their time for authenticity?
1: I think that's the case because if they had set it modern day... Yeah. ...I would understand you'd have to follow modern day rules. Okay. Okay. But if you're setting it in the 1920s, then surely for authenticity you have to set it to 1920 rules.
0: One would hope so, yes.
1: The game's rated 18 anyway, so basically it's kind of a horror game, I guess.
0: Well, if it's based on Lovecraft, it would have to be.
1: And I'm quite interested. I was actually quite surprised online the other day. Yeah. Because I saw it that it came out and it was the usual either fifty-five, sixteen you or know, pre order. Which yeah. is you know quite expensive. It it's already been dropped to forty and it's only came out on Friday.
0: Is there a two player option for this? I think so. So are we gonna be playing this anytime soon?
1: I'm hoping to get it before it's pulled.
0: Good job, sir good job Um, exactly the same reasons then that I bought the Fu Manchu films of both Boris Karloff and of um, Christopher Lee a well not so long ago because the I don't believe that the they were intended to be offensive, but no. even the books by Sax Roma that they're based on are
1: uh, basically the being only thing questioned. Thing these that days. I'm not that sure of is the fact that with H.P. Lovecraft, I don't know if I'd be that into it. Yeah. Because I have, I don't know any of his work other than Cthulhu. I've got a volume of his complete stories. So you know, you kind of you don't want to miss out on it in case yeah. it's
0: yeah. gone. Yeah. Exactly. Right, and with that, I think it's about time that we uh, bade our audience a fond farewell for another week. And we will be back next week after we've seen Spider Man. Yes. We've got plenty to talk we about. We do. So it's good night from me and me. Keep watching the skies!